just like a like a dick pic, but like like with with like all of uh of like new Jim Crow tattooed around the shaft of the dick. You know what I mean? <laughs> like so he could do some reading while he's perusing the dick pic. First of all, if anyone's listening, that's how you become a true ally. You have to get the new Jim Crow tatted on your D. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything um, less than that, not an ally. podcast live stream it's all the things all the things to all the people on all the platforms except for tiktok but that's not an anti-chinese government statement but it should be it's just not right now what's going on uh, i hope everyone's good i hope everyone is uh, safe and healthy and masked up and limiting outdoor uh engagements i know we're all losing our mind okay that's why we're here with this podcast to be together alone inside. Um, we have such a good show. We are talking about Medicare for all on a statewide level. Eh? Bernie won't be president. And that is sad, but we might get Medicare anyway if we start at the state level. Gustavo Rivera, a state senator from New York, is here in the Bituation Room. Also joining us is comedian Naomi Ekparagan. I'm so excited for this show. It's going to be so good. Before we start, I just want to say, if you're watching on any of the platforms, make sure you like click the little button that, that reminds you that we're going live. It's like a little alarm. Um, that way you'll never miss a show. If you're a person from the future, welcome. I hope we have solved all the problems. No, uh, if you're listening as a podcast, um rate this podcast. Give it five stars. Oh my God. It's so easy. It's just your little, you know, one, two, three, four, five. You can do it. Uh, thank you. And thank you so much for your tips every week. Everyone uh, is so generous with their tips to us. Uh, Venmo TBR dash live cash app TBR live. And we donate a portion of those tips to a different cause, a different thing, a different, uh, injustice or countering an injustice in the world. There's so many to pick from. It's like, which, which fire do we try to put out this week? Uh, this week it is, um, fascism in America. And that is in Portland as federal police are continuing to, um, try to occupy a, an American city somehow. And, uh, we are donating to the ACLU in Oregon because of that ACLU. They want a lawsuit for me. They can do the same for you. Ah, I think I've seen that on a bus somewhere. Um, also, just a couple sad notes before we get to the light notes. I want to mention the passing of uh, the podcaster and commentator, uh, Michael Brooks, who was on the Michael Brooks show, obviously, uh, and the majority report with Sam Cedar. Totally unexpected death and incredible loss um, for the left community and just for uh, socialist thinkers. And um, I know everyone is mourning his his passing. And if you haven't listened to any Michael Brooks, I definitely would uh, recommend that you go back, listen to his podcast. Um, you know, uh, the guy was was very brilliant and he was gone way too soon. And um, so let's all pour one out for him and remember him and hold him up uh, as well as I'm just going to name it uh, someone who was shot in Austin recently at a Black Lives Matter protest. Um, 
by another crazed dude in a car, probably a dude. Listen, I'm going to gender him right now. I'm just going to guess. It probably was. Uh, who ran into a Black Lives Matter protest and started shooting. And this young gentleman, Garrett Forrest, uh, Foster, died. Um, we just just holding them, holding his family and his community and the community of Austin in our hearts right now. Um, and before we get down any more of this rabbit hole, I got to bring in my co-host of the Bituation Room, the woke Eeyore, the man who seems like he doesn't like life, but he truly is having a good time, I guarantee you, comedian and labor organizer, Mr. Nato Green. Woke Eeyore, you say? <laughs> it cuts pretty close to home, bro. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, embrace it. Yeah, I would describe myself as a sad optimist. Uh, <laughs> but you wouldn't know it. It's not clear yeah. if you're like a a happy pessimist or a sad optimist. Very unclear. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 also I'm also sort of a misanthropic extrovert. Like I'm really excited to get to know people and figure out why I don't like them. Um so uh Oh, I'm a Virgo. I'm so there with you. Yeah. That's why we like each other. How have you how have you been this week, Nato? Uh, I'm all right. Uh, you know, I've got uh, cheers to you. Cheers. Uh, cheers to the to the to the audience. Uh, and you know, I'm I'm ready for revolution. Mm. Um, totally with the cocktail in hand. Cocktail uh, in hand. Not a Molotov at this point, but soon. Soon. My drink is flammable. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's all it needs to be. Um. <laughs> All right. Well, Nato, I want to bring in before we get going uh, our guest comic for the episode. She is an actor, comedian and writer who's appeared on HBO, Comedy Central, True TV. And you can catch her first season uh, of Apple TV show Mythic Quest on Apple TV. That was obvious. And also download and listen to her podcast, Couples Therapy. It's so good. She hosts with her fiance, comedy writer, Andy Beckerman. Please welcome Naomi Ekperigan. I'm here. Hello. How are you both? Both you're both stunning me right now. First of all, uh, it, so in, ans in answer to the fans in the comments, I, I'm tonight. I'm if you want to know, I'm drinking a Vesper Martini. Uh, <laughs> but more importantly, yeah, Naomi, I feel like you've been like fiancéed for like seven <laughs> years. That is. Accurate. That is exactly the number of years that I've been unfianced. Did I did I guess the number right? It was yes, like, you did. Oh wow! <laughs> I think I, it's, I, good. It, it's a good like keep them waiting. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that that's a power move on, to, on both of your parts. Way to not commit before you commit. <laughs> I, uh, honey, we're in a damn pandemic together. We committed at this yeah. point. It's in. At this point, we're in. So. And, and one thing I want to appreciate about both of you is that both of you will fuck Jews. And, uh, <laughs> and Ooh, you see into my soul in a way that I wasn't ready for. I wasn't ready and my for pe my people. Thank you for that. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Doing you a favor. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's got to. Yeah. You got honey. I choose the chosen. Can't just it. be the Nazis. <laughs> yep. oh, oh, yes, we do choose choose the chosen. The men, oh, the men. How do you pluralize mensch? Menschai? 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 I, mensch I believe I believe it's mention. Mention. Okay. Or okay. Okay. Menshevix. 
<laughs> I like that. You want to get I'll a little bit one. Soviet about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always. Uh, we're going to Mensheviks. Yeah. Um, all right, Naomi. So we start off every episode of the Bituation Room with a segment called "What Are You Bitching About Now?" Yes. Because yes. um, it changes minute to minute, day to day. I encourage everyone listening to chime in. Let us know what you're bitching about. Uh, I could start with you, Naomi, if you'd like to go first. Um. I would love to hear what, I mean, I can, but I do like to hear where you guys are at so I can yeah. calibrate my bitching accordingly. Oh, totally. You don't know how hot they're coming in. I get <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, NATO, go first. What are you bitching about, my friend? Well, I'm bitching about the uh, anti-Semitism that's coded into Zoom. Uh, oh. It's wow. it, that be- Because uh, I didn't realize until I was on Zoom all the time exactly how much I speak with my hands. Um <laughs> But I speak with my hands a lot and I need and because the zoom is supposed to be like right in my face, like in order for me to get my hand speaking in like I need to hold my hands near my face in order for that. What I it's need is very a, Trumpy and it's I very know, like I need to I, have it up here. And what I need yeah. is another screen that is like further out just for my hands mm-hmm. to go mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so that so that zoom, so that people can understand like the 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 subtle tone and texture of my communication. Do Jews speak conveyed. with their hands? Because I'm Italian and I definitely speak with my hands all the time. I didn't realize that was a Jewish characteristic. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> As a betrothed, let uh-huh. me say. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is hands. It's also, it's funny. I was told by my fiance that another Jewish communication trait is interrupting because he interrupts and he goes, I'm Jewish. We interrupt. And I just don't think that's real. But what do you think, Nato? <laughs> well, it it's actually like it's a thing, like it, like it in the in the collision between Jewish identity and like trying to be a better man and like thinking about gender equity. Like one of the things that I've learned is that like uh, a, an expression of patriarchy is men interrupting women, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and then that's like a like a minimizing uh, behavior. But and yet like. Jews, like I definitely, we interrupt each other constantly in my family and we're not like, nobody's ever concerned that we're like not going to get to the point eventually Mm -hmm. or that like, you know, that, uh, uh, actually I saw somebody tweeted this week that like zoom, zoom also has this function where like whoever's talking, it mutes the other people. So it flips the screen and it. And that when you have like when like recently I I have done Zoom things with my cousins where everyone is just talking at the same time and it like crashes the server, it like crashes the system. So Zoom is very anti-Semitic, not only yeah. because of not including right. hand gestures, but canceling out whenever there's crosstalk. You're yeah. like, yeah. And so so I think I think the interrupting is really like part part of part of the thing. And and you know Naomi, we have to interrupt because. You never know when, like, marauding Cossacks are going to come and drag you from your home and murder your entire village. Right. So you, just, right. you have to hurry and get your points across. <laughs> it's a good before, bitch. Before the genociding begins. <laughs> One last speech before the genociding begins. Yeah. Okay, then. I think I'm ready, Francesca. I feel oh. like I'm ready now. Oh, I was just trying to think of another morbid tag to this uh, <laughs> second Holocaust joke. I was like, "Where I'm going to let it go. Yeah. Naomi, what are you bitching about? Okay, I'm going to tell you something that's really fucking with me right now. Oops, mm. can I curse? Let me tell yeah. you. Okay, normally your girl loves true crime. Your girl loves a British procedural. Mm. British crime dramas, okay? I am engrossed. 
That is so good. But I'm going to tell you, I'm really bitching. I don't like this thing in a pandemic. We in quarantine mm-hmm. in a pandemic. I don't need David Tennant stressing me out too. Okay? These <laughs> British shows, y'all, they are intense. You start worrying about these fictional people. And I got enough on my plate without <laughs> worrying about these fictional British people I don't know. And is it, it is freaking But aren't they supposed to be out. like less, Is aren't they just like, like more reserved and it's more suspense rather than like scary? It's just sort of. It is like, okay. Okay, if they seem outwardly reserved, they are our machinations, okay? They are doing stuff. Everybody is inches, minutes from death in any British crime drama, okay? And so you're constantly just being like, when are they going to get murdered? When are they going to get murdered? And it gets my blood pressure. Fran, it gets my pressure up. And I don't need it. I don't need it right now. There's enough going on. I went to Trader Joe's. I don't need a British crime drama taking me through the roof. (laughs) That's honestly enough of one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's interesting what people are turning to now in terms of viewing. Like, I can only handle not crime drama, British crime drama, but like British high society, like Downton Abbey, mm. The Queen, um, Great British Baking Show, like any bullshit colonizer problems. I'm like, I'm there. Like, I get yeah. like that, you know, I'll just make my little Downton Abbey cocktail because, yes, I did get a Downton Abbey cocktail book. And then, yeah, but like, <laughs> Wait, 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 I'm sorry. What's in the Downton Abbey cocktail book? Oh, oh we don't have that much time, girl. <laughs> is it just vermouth? Or it's just it's nothing but sherry. It's like sherry <laughs> with a little more water. Yep, okay, just checking. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> See, Naomi, it's interesting that you feel that way because I feel like, like I'm super down with a procedural right now yeah. because, because it ends. Because right, the closure. There, there, there's a closure. There's a usually like the bad guy ends up in jail. They, they're like there's a long road, mm-hmm. but then they get caught, and that like you know like the moral ambiguity and the potential that evil actually will prevail in the, our current dystopian existence. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that evil could be defeated in like you know six. 45 minute episodes. Right. Very, six to very, eight. Six to eight. Very yeah. comforting to me. Right. You like the closure. It's like, I don't know. I like a plain American procedural because I think you get more closure. But I think the British ones, you know, it's all about open-endedness. It's all about leaving you haunted. I find myself much more haunted at the end of a British show. All right. I'm going to I'm going to tell you what I'm bitching about a little more serious. But we are 100 days away from the general election uh, to potentially save our souls, save ourselves, save this goddamn country. Uh, and go into a slightly less dense hell. Um, and I am bitching about two things. One, I think Biden might have to start campaigning. And uh-huh. I'm just, I think maybe he might have to do something. Like, I think we are getting a little cocky with this. Okay, we can just watch Trump self-immolate and, you know, vote for the lesser of two evils and whatever, whatever. I think he should just campaign more. I think, and he has been, and he's been sticking his foot in his mouth, but like, let him just do it at least. Cause I'm just worried at like the same thing that happened in 2016, which is taking up all the air in the room means there will be no more air come November. And like it, it is his election to lose, but it's also his election to completely turn around at the drop of a hat. If he, so chooses, you know, it could be anything taking coronavirus more seriously, uh, like sending in National Guard troops to, you know, clamp down on 
crime, supposedly, right? Well, like whatever it is, I'm just like, it's not good when he's running the media cycle. I don't care how stupid he looks. Because um, what, what you're saying, Francesca, is like, like at any point, Trump could be like, you know what, you guys, I've decided to start reading the president's daily briefing, and people Absolutely. are like, you know, he's really got some got it going on. <laughs> You never know what he's going to be like in his second term. I mean, we know, but yeah. now that he reads, it could be different. Uh, yeah, I'm bitching about that. And, I'm, and I do think, lefties, beware. We might actually have to lift a finger on this one. You can't just sit yep. back and be like, I hate Biden, and then be happy if he loses, or yep. mad if he wins, or mad if you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's too big to just sit behind. So that, again, I'm going to warn people, I think we might have to get active. Did you, I'm sorry, like, did I miss the memo where, like, a politician was supposed to make my dreams come true? Like, all these people who are like, I don't like Biden. I'm like, so? Like, I don't like him, but my job isn't to like him. Do you know right. what I mean? Like, we're not making love, okay? We're not buying a timeshare. <laughs> you literally have to make sure I have rights, okay? Just make sure I can go to a hospital. Make sure I can get a loan. Make sure I can pay my bill. I don't. I don't need to like you. Right. It's like, I mean, haven't you all been on bad dates? It's like some shit you just sit through for the meal. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, uh, if, if if Angela Davis became president of the United States, I would be like, this is bullshit. She's a sellout. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. There's no winning. Yeah. You know There's what I mean? No like no one's perfect. So it's like all this like I don't like Biden. Honey, I'll kiss him on the mouth right now. Oh God. Oh, I felt that. Like I could feel the yeah. the like hard bone, small white man <laughs> lip. Like, you know, just like Kelator. Yeah. I'm sorry, you guys. This, this is disgusting. <laughs> this is disgusting. We have a politician on this show coming up. <laughs> And he might protest. He might really want to be liked. We'll ask him about how, I'll, how much his ego plays into this. I'll, ki I'll kiss that guy. <laughs> so anything to not imagine kissing Biden. Good God. Um, all right. Let us, let us, let's just move in to our next segment. I don't know what that accent was, uh, which is the week where it, it is a look back at um, just the facets of pain that the last week of news of brought us uh and just to bring us all up to speed hopefully with a few jokes and just to lighten the mood uh today is sunday july 26 um oh my god it's almost over and by it i mean just july um and if you're listening in the future it might be a different day and that's fine it doesn't matter because days don't matter anymore um but let's do it this we're, 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 we're 100 days from the election or what as trump calls it the coup d'etat Anyway, <laughs> carry on. The coup for good. He's going to, he's, yes, he will coup. He already has cooed us, but he's going to intervene. Guaido's going to be there at the inauguration. Okay, I'm done. Um, <laughs> this was the week where Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez gave a powerful speech on the House floor in which she called out Representative Ted Yoho's invocation of women in his family as an excuse given to his non-apology about accosting her and calling her a quote fucking bitch. Yoho said that quote having two daughters and a wife, I am very cognizant of this language. <laughs> uh -huh. 
And as I agree, like I agree with AOC, but like not in the exact same way. Cause like for me, when I hear a misogynist say all that, all I hear is look, having raised two fucking bitches, marrying a fucking bitch and getting up to walk a literal fucking bitch every morning. And as a fucking bitch myself, I'm very cognizant of fucking bitches. <laughs> so the, the, the quote, the quote that was corroborated by a reporter for the, the, the publication, the Hill, which is basically the family circus of Beltway press corps. Um, uh, so the, so, and when Yoho went to explain himself on the House floor, his version of uh, what had happened was uh, <laughs> was to say uh, the offensive name-calling uh, words were never spoken to my colleagues, and if they construed them that way, I apologize for their misunderstanding. That is a type of apology that I, I like to call the boomerang, which yes. is like, I'm sorry you felt bad. Yes. Uh, it's not, I'm sorry that you decided to misunderstand me, but not I. So... Uh, but someone overheard him call her a fucking bitch, and he says they construed it wrong. What? How? What is the right way to construe it? Yeah, there's like, no other way to I, say like, to, for fucking he, bitch to be cool. I think what he meant was like, like I didn't mean like fucking bitch, like I don't like her. I mean like fucking bitch, like yes, queen, you could have <laughs> had a bad bitch, slay girl. I'm that bitch, you know, because that's how 65 year old white men Republicans from Florida all talk, as we know. Right, 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 right. But, I had, never heard, so I had never heard of Ted Yoho before this, so I looked him up on the Wikipedias. He's a Tea Party Republican from Gainesville, Florida. Before he was in Congress, he was a veterinarian and uh, a member of the Florida Association of Equine Practitioners. And he was elected in 2012 and is retiring. And since he was elected in 2012, he has, wait for it, no legislative accomplishments. Uh, so not a what one. What a fucking bitch. So this is what he's going to be known for the rest of his fucking life. He's going to go back to Florida to being a dumb veterinarian. And he's going to be mm. out there in Florida treating horses who got the clap or whatever the fuck. <laughs> and people are going to go like, hey, aren't you Ted Yoho, the dumbass that talks shit to AOC and then got pounded like a chicken piccata? And he's like, yeah, I'm that guy. Oh, that's going to be him for the rest of his that's life. That's exactly right. Well, okay, now that I know he is a veterinarian, could he have been saying <laughs> she was a fornicating puppy? Is that what he thought that misconstruing was? He goes, well, as, a, as an animal medical professional, perhaps you should see me as such. But I also think it's like, what I love the most about her speech, where she was like, growing up in New York, riding the subway, I'm familiar with that language. And she like made it sounds like, just say someone's pulled their dick out on the A train. We've all been there, AOC. Stop acting like you just heard like a whisper of the word bitch. Say somebody pulled their dick out on the train in front of you when you was coming home from the It box. was written right there on it. How beautiful would that have been? She just made a very long reference to a time <laughs> that someone pulled a dick out on an A train. And that's exactly like Ted Yoho. Yeah. Well, and, way. I, I, I try not to like, you know, quote other comedians uh, tweets extensively, but Dwayne Kennedy, one of the greatest comedians of all time, in my opinion, posted Ted Yoho. Ted is Yoho's name is Yoho. His name is a literal New York City catcall. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Dwayne Kennedy, everybody. Um, that is correct. So the. 
just I don't know if you've watched the C-SPAN video of her speech, but if you watch the full version that's like 11 minutes long, yeah. literally the last frame is the perfect encapsulation of why AOC is the woman our century needs. Because the last frame, she finishes her speech, mic drop, she's ready to walk away, and the next thing that you see is a white man with a man bun bowing to her. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> With a okay, man bun. I missed miss the bow. I missed the bowing. I gotta, gotta watch, watch the it bow. to the end. Wow. That's amazing. So That's good. gorgeous. That's gorgeous. That's what we all want, honey. That's the future liberals want. Just white men with man buns bowing. Yes. Um, I'm moving on to our second item. This was, you all, this was the week where in a virtual town hall meeting, Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden called Trump the first racist president. <laughs> what? <laughs> Is this like one of those Clinton was the first black president things? <laughs> like at this rate, how much you want to bet Biden's going to claim that he's the first female president? Like, <laughs> when you touch them, Mr. Vice President, you don't become them. All right. That's not how it works. It's not. But that maybe that's what he thought. Um, also, just to be clear, uh, 12 presidents, American presidents, actually owned slaves. Uh, mm -hmm. But beyond that, Reagan called African leaders monkeys. Nixon called Jews bastards. Uh, Trump isn't the first racist president. He's just the only president too dumb to know how to use a dog whistle. Exactly. Exactly. You've got to blow into it, Mr. President. Stop Stop sucking at it. Just no. <laughs> Out. <laughs> Oh, that's it. That's the stuff. But I mean, hello. Rem literally, I was like, I wish I could have just popped up in there and just been like, Joe, tell us about your friend Corn Pop again. You know what I mean? Like, where somebody, like, because to me, his whole platform is, I have a black friend. So, literally, the fact that he would just be like, he's the first racist, like, oh, baby girl, baby girl. Don't you try to trick me. He think if he say stuff, it's true. I don't have time for that. Uh, it, Biden Biden is appealing to a notion of presidential respectability. Uh, he he wants uh, a president who rapes slaves without using the n word while they do it. Jesus Christ! Right, right, right. No. Yeah. God damn it! No, no. It's supposed to be a comedy show. <laughs> Sorry, too dark. <laughs> That's what he said about the slaves, NATO. Too dark. Yeah. Um, right. So I understand. Uh. Not after right. a generation or two. <laughs> exactly. Well, that was, you know, too dark. Uh, I just want to say, though, I'm fine with letting Biden drone on, as per my other comment. Uh, the way you let, like, Grandpa drone on, because if you upset him, it, like, loosens his bowels and he shits the bed. Uh, and whatever <laughs> happens, we have to make sure Biden doesn't shit the bed. Don't mm -hmm. shit the bed, Biden 2020. That's all I got to say. Okay. Yeah, 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 I don't like, nah, nah, I don't care. I don't even but care. But don't you much. think it's when he when he talks is when he shits the bed. That's the problem. Because you're right. He needs to campaign, but can he campaign without speaking? Like, can he just shake people's hands and, like, not say a word? Do you know what I mean? Well, not shake people's hands, right? We're in quarantine. I mean, we're, we got a pandemic. That's, you're correct. Virtual handshakes. Handshake emoji. I think he should speak. I just think we all have to like, we've got to find a way to remix his gaffes again, Biden on TikTok, some way to make his gaffes fun and good and, and great. And, or like 
you know, just like, yay, put a happy face, first racist yeah. president, whatever. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, this was also the week where, after vowing to never let them into Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot agreed to let Trump's federal police work with the Chicago Police Department to stop a rise in crime and gang violence. Many have criticized the move, but honestly, like, I get it, because uh, the only way to stop a gang isn't by affordable housing or gun control or education. It's to send in a bigger gang. Every <laughs> leader of a major gang, I mean, city, knows this. <laughs> what you do also i just want to say i have watched the wire uh that's like yes. my i'm sure i've watched it three times now yes. did once yes. more in quarantine yes. and like i think i understand crime and policing at this point <laughs> <laughs> um chicago has like a terrible witness protection program that's not a joke that's real uh i know how to fix it um but i i know from watching the show that crime doesn't stop when you send in federal troops it stops when a drunk intrepid white cop fakes a serial killer and idris elba and lance reddick are shirtless at least once correct that's correct. the formula yeah that's don't fuck that up just yeah Send in shirtless Lance Reddick to Chicago. <laughs> it will do more to stop crime. Those abs, though. He's That's how you stop it. You stop in your tracks. You go, say what? And then you you lower your glasses and you go, oh, yeah. And that's how you stop your crime. Think uh -huh. about it. Whatever you're doing, you're stopping it. That's the crime that did that with the glasses. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. Ooh. You know, like, you know that mm -hmm. whole thing is like what you do. Absolutely. It's really shocking to me that Chicago, the city that had a literal black site uh, place, what was it called? Holman Square, where they disappeared people as like unrecorded detainees and where they tortured confessions out of people. Really shocking that the Chicago Police Department would be like, oh, yeah, sure. Fucking send in the like, <laughs> you know, mercenaries who are just fresh back from Afghanistan <laughs> to try to. I mean, I'm surprised in a way they haven't done it sooner. Like, why do you think Chicago hasn't done it sooner? NATO, uh, I need an answer. I don't know why the one. Well, yeah, I, I'll tell you why. I think I think that the uh, I think that the feds are have been afraid that when they when they get into an open shooting war with the Blackstone Rangers, <laughs> that they're going to lose. Uh, <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. You're right. Okay. Okay. Is fair, that a gang fair. there? I don't know. Is that a cocktail or a I, gang? <laughs> the 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 the, uh, the Blackstone Rangers is a Chicago gang, but it's like from the '60s. So I'm definitely okay. like my <laughs> my gang knowledge now. is super dated. Yeah, Blackstone <laughs> P Ranger Nation, right? Someone in the comments send me the correction on current current Chicago gang references. I mean, maybe though it's really the 180 is weird to me. So I was thinking like maybe Lori Lightfoot is trying like uh um. McNulty type turnaround like if all we blame all these bodies on the federal police you know we then then they take the heat not no no you know, not the death count whatever it is I'm like what's the way why don't but it doesn't make sense that she's she was super adamant against it and now I don't know re-election that's no but see that wouldn't get you re-elected because then the question becomes what they got on you Lori what they got on you Lori because it don't right. make any sense because you just coming out here like she's the ultimate bait and switch. Literally, right. you were like, I am voting for her. She is a queen. She sees me. And then she was like, I don't give a fuck. Everything she does is just like, I don't give a fuck. That's she politics. Well, that's my hot take. Flight log. Like, that's the only. 
<laughs> explanation. She's on the flight log. Anyone yeah. who does anything weird from now on was on the flight log. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. She's she's such an incredible example of like this, the, you know, the, of of like mayoral code switching. Like one day, you know, she'll be like full on like like black mother, like get your ass in the house, and then she'll be like, well, the president called me and we had a constructive <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I'm going back to abs. I just think Idris Elba abs will solve it. Um, This was also the week where the New York Times revealed that a Pentagon program investigating UFOs had never been shut down. The Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, a program under the Office of Naval Intelligence, studies, quote, mystifying encounters between military pilots and unexplained aerial phenomenon. Holy shit, you guys. Some are excited. Some are scared. I'm just looking forward to the look on Elon Musk's face when he realizes aliens use they pronouns. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so mad. Oh. Who's, I want to meet this person because when they say they haven't shut down the office, it's one guy, right? Like it's one guy at a desk <laughs> who works from like eleven to two. <laughs> Don't you think? Like, what is this? Totally. Well, yeah, and then there's a lunch break, and uh, there's a great golf <laughs> sub around the corner. But I'm on it. Um, Just surrounded by amazing aircraft. No, I don't know. People apparently there may be an announcement soon of something they found. I don't know. The word unearthly was in the article. So whatever they be finding, they think they're going to distract us. And it's like, homie, I'm in the house. You can't distract (laughs) me from this. I'm watching all of it. (laughs) The, 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 the Pentagon is now being pressured to disclose that they've always known about extraterrestrial vehicles. And it just goes to show that when the Americans come together and put our minds to it as a nation, and work hard in the way that only Americans can, we could admit to finally lying to the public for decades. <laughs> and it's those kind of achievements that we should be proud of as a nation. Now let's do racism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what the aliens will do. Maybe they'll help us. I still don't think we will. They've I got really the- good de-escalation training. I don't know if you know this about extraterrestrials. I just feel like when aliens come, my whole plan is to convince them that black women are actually the top of the heap so that I get to like be in whatever <laughs> society they create. Like, I just want to be like, actually, so many of us are here because we're in charge and like trick them because we're going to be the first people they see like on the street out in public living life. Mm-hmm. And then maybe that'll that'll help. You know? Historic oppression is because our eyes are lasers. They'll be like, we're into you. <laughs> we're the real X-Men. <laughs> That is a very good premise of a show. Um, I love that. Uh, that was the week where, y'all. And I'm just going to read a few comments from what people were bitching about uh, <laughs> on Facebook. Jamal Hatton is bitching about our incompetent government. Uh, Ulysses on Facebook bitching about GI jackasses trying to destroy our democracy. Indeed, love that. Andrew on YouTube fuming about fascism. Yes, but are you bitching? Fuming. That's next level. It's a few... <laughs> Bitches deep. Um, many people are talking about how much they love David Tennant. Yeah, of course. National treasure. Okay. Not international. Our- no. International treasure. Interna- okay, got it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see. What else? What else? Someone on YouTube, Harris on YouTube, and this was great. Or in, I think in response to my Biden comment says, we have to act like Biden has it together like Trumpers always do. Like, just... 
Yes, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously we don't want to be Trumpers. We're never going to be that kind of a cult because, you know, we're smarter than that and there's way more gradations of blue. But it'd be great if we're like, no, totally part of the plan. See, he was the first racist president because, like, that was a joke. You know, every, we just say it was a joke. We just say it was a yeah. joke. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, Alyssa wants the aliens to look like Jason Momoa and oh. Cosine. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a movie who, I need to see now? Who, who wouldn't take an anal probe from Jason Momoa? Come on. Hey, yo. That's uh, what I'm talking about. Get out of my diary, NATO. NATO, we're on Twitch, all right? There are 13-year-olds watching. There are children here. Naomi, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, friends. I feel so um, informed and educated. How can we follow you? I have to tell you, Naomi, that uh, that I told my wife, who is also Naomi, that you were going to be the guest on the show. And my wife, who is married to a comedian and is not a comedian and therefore doesn't like comedians, is like, oh, I love her. Wow. So, <laughs> that's so many huge. people have been excited about this. Comments <laughs> tweeting at me. Yay, Naomi. Yay. Well, we have a Naomi Bond, she and I. Yeah. So that really does make sense. You guys, thank yeah. you for having me. As always, hit me up on the Instagram at Black Dress Comedy. Listen to Couples Therapy Podcast. I'm hanging out. I'll see you guys later, babies. Wear your mask. See you at Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Naomi Ekper again. Thank you all for being here. Once again, please tip us. Your tips totally help this show stay afloat. TBR-Live on Venmo. TBR-Live on Cash App. That's all we got for now. Um, we could take IOUs once. I'll take miles. I'll take, like, airline miles. I don't know about NATO, but I will. We are donating a portion of those uh, donations to ACLU in Oregon. That's where Portland is. They need the money. There are a lot of people who are being arrested and brutalized and in jail. Uh, so send us that money. I'm like, yeah, thank you. And moving on. I said we had a politician in the house, and we do. Um, you I take back what I said about Angela Davis, by the way. Yes. As we, as we transition into a politician talk. I take back everything bad I've ever said about elected officials. Uh, his name is Gustavo Rivera. He is a state senator in New York. Um, he is, represents the 33rd Senate District in the Bronx. And specifically, he's worked on a lot of health initiatives, including an effort for Medicare for All on a statewide level called the New York Health Act. Please welcome Gustavo Rivera. Good evening to one and all. And by the way, I will make one first correction I will make. It is, I call myself a public servant and not a politician. And the reason for that distinction, the guy that I defeated 10 years ago, he, after I defeated him, he served six years in federal prison for stealing public money. And the guy before him served three and a half years in federal prison for stealing public money. Keep sitting. The guy before him served about a year and a half for fraud. So those are politicians. I am a public servant. So I just wanted to make that distinction. If Damn. I In this 10 years, have you, do you like unlock some door of being in office where it's like, here's the money, take the money. This is the fraud. It's like, <laughs> like there's like a little string attached to it that goes right to a prison cell. Is like that, does well, that happen? Well, you have to realize, obviously, not getting indicted is a very low bar for any elected office. <laughs> uh, but I, I've been able to do it. Uh, not only that, but so I have no <laughs> so, okay. I have been in jails and prisons, but always in my official capacity, only to visit and never to stay. So uh, certainly there's a, there's a distinction there. 
And yeah. also before I, before I go forward, I want to just shout out uh, one of my staffers who is an immense fan of you, Francesca. His name is Jay Baez, and he loves you, thinks you're freaking brilliant. I agree. And Aww. I just want to make sure he's watching right now. And I just wanted to say, like, he wanted to make sure that I said that I said hello and said that you're brilliant. NATO, I don't think he knows you. Um, yeah. Jay I think, Baez, I look forward to ruining your evening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. Shout out to Jay. I hope you're on Twitch. Um, Senator, I interviewed you before yes. for a special that I had on MSNBC. No big deal. Didn't get picked up called Red, White and Who. And it was all about healthcare. And we ended in New York and looking at sort of one of the most progressive states when it comes to healthcare. Um, uh, where like the ACA is working and there's broad access to Medicaid, although I know that's could change, but you all wanted to want to take us this a step further. And I think the pandemic is also this opportunity to really put this discussion even more in the limelight. Tell me about um, the New York Health Act. I talked to you a year ago and I don't know what's happened since. First of all, it's crazy that it was a year ago and you did such a good job of being a like a, a like a, a journalist and just kind of being kind of asking questions when you were obviously in the back going like, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you did a great job of, of putting those things out. So I'm the sponsor of something called the New York Health Act. It is a bill that would create a single payer system in the state of New York, guaranteeing universal access to everybody. Um, it is, uh, and, and it would be, uh, obviously it would be progressively uh, taxed. So there would be a progressive taxation system that would actually fund it. Um, it would be, you would have access regardless of your age, your wealth, your immigration status. It would, certain studies that have been made tell us that we'll save about $55 billion a year. We have one of the biggest Medicaid programs in the country. And we would save uh, by actually extending coverage to everybody, making sure everybody has primary care, right? Making sure that we can negotiate for drugs for everybody, uh, making sure that we get administrative costs down. Uh, and, and lastly, just making sure that we provide better quality of life for everybody so that you have less morbidity, morbidity and mortality. That was, so that was a year ago about that we spoke. Since then, I have 31 sponsors in the state Senate. The body that I serve in has 63 members, so I am one away from having the majority. I do believe that we were picking up steam when we spoke. We were in the middle, my colleague in the assembly and I were in the middle of doing hearings around the state to kind of pick up steam for the thing. Obviously, the pandemic has kind of done two things. It has both legislatively kind of brought a lot of the things that we were that were moving. Uh, everything has kind of had to be reconsidered. But in all honesty, has actually just underlined the fact that this is so goddamn necessary. So, you know, we, we, we can certainly talk about the inequalities that already exist in the system. But this whole thing, if there is a silver lining to be had, is that what people like us have been saying and pointing to for a very long time, now it's just clear to everybody. Like the idea of having a system in which whether you have access to to insurance, not even to care, to, mm -hmm. to insurance is whether you have not only a job, but the right type of job. That, that's just crazy. We got over 40 million people that are employed. Bananas. Right. Can, can you can you describe at, at, like as a politician how public public servant. Servant, Mr. Green. I'm sorry, as an elected official, as a public servant, yeah. uh, uh, how the the insurance lobby and the pharmaceutical lobby and the and the on the hospital lobby. I don't think people who don't serve in elected office have a sense of like what it's like to feel the full weight of like the capitalist lobbying world putting pressure on you and manipulating the process. Could you describe sort of how the industry 
limits the world of possibility in, in terms of what you can think about as far as public policy to solve people's problems? Certainly. I mean, the first thing I'll tell you is that the context here for me personally is important because I've been in the legislature for 10 years and eight of that I spent in the minority, even though there's more Democrats in the state of New York than, than the majority, than, than Republicans. And it's a complicated, internal, crazy New York stuff. But let's just say that I spent eight years saying exactly the same type of things that I'm saying now. And the individuals who I'm working with now who have to talk to me because I am the chair of the health committee, they, I'm not saying anything different now than what I was saying two or three years ago or even five or six years ago. But it is difficult because since they have a sophisticated group of people, because by the way, just, just so we know, lobbyist by itself is not a dirty word. These are folks who are experts in a particular thing and they are advocates on behalf of, you know, kind of for hire. Uh, so not all of them are scum of the earth. But some of them are, uh, and some of them that are well-paid are, and their job is to kind of, in the, in the case of this, they're just saying like, this is way too complicated. This is way too expensive. We, could, we couldn't possibly do that. I mean, do you really want to do, really do that? They can just, if you sow confusion amongst my colleagues, there's, there's, there's little that we can do in the center if we do it by ourselves. But then when you add the people outside, See, this is, I was an organizer before I was, a, before I was an elected official, and I still consider myself one now. I actually enjoy when I hear people outside of the chamber, like protesting, I'm like, that's right. They need to feel the pressure there and here. So the short version is that they are immensely, uh, they're smart, they're well-funded, and they know who to talk to to put the right type of doubt in there. Because sometimes they just don't have to destroy, they just have to make sure that it seems too hard to actually get it done. Right. You know what I mean? But there's not the political will, even though that's where the decisions are getting made right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, part of it is that there, I mean, the, unlike, uh, I, Nato, I was hearing uh, you a couple of weeks ago talking about the state, uh, the, the state legislature in California and how it's a terrible building. And so, so we have the state capital, the state of New York. It is one of the most beautiful, it's like Hogwarts. I'm not even joking around. It's a gorgeous building. Y'all should look it up. And, and so when you're in that bubble, total, there's 150 assembly members, 63 senators, that's 213, governor, state attorney general, and state controller, 216 people making decisions on behalf of 20 million, the entire state of New York, on how $175 billion is going to be spent. Mm -hmm. And that bubble, see the bubble that they talk about, the, the, the beltway in DC, it exists in Albany and in almost every state capital. We are hundreds, sometimes hundreds and hundreds of miles away from our home. And it is so easy to believe your own hype because regard if it, it if we were still walking around the legislature, right? We're pandemic mode, but you know how many times I would get comments and was like, your hair looks great today. Have you have you lost some weight? You look fantastic, Sandra. <laughs> like, it's like I have exactly everybody wants to kiss our asses, and so it's easy to forget why you go there if right. people aren't coming up. Right. So this is why, as I said, when I hear people protesting outside, I'm like, good. My neighbors are up here to remind people why we're up here to begin with. Can I ask you, Gustavo, how coronavirus has impacted your district specifically? And if you've heard some of the stories with in terms of like the fallout economically in terms of people trying to get uh, pay to get better and what they've been strapped with. So. It, it's my, my district has been incredibly hard and the Bronx has been hit incredibly hard. 
just to give you some background, the state of New York has 62 counties. The Bronx is one of them, and it is uh, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, which is a think tank, a public health think tank, has found that the Bronx is, has been last in, uh, in health outcomes for like nine years running. So you already have baked in lack of access, uh, poverty. Then you have the fact that during the height of the pandemic, many of the folks who are essential workers work in the city of New York and Manhattan, but they live in the Bronx. So they have to get in a train every single day. Plus, they already have lacks of, lack of access to healthcare and either for social, cultural, or economic reasons, live in large families. Like the, the apartment that I live in, which is a one bedroom, before I moved in here, there was a family of three that moved in and upstairs there's people, five people live in the apartment the same size as mine. So you take right. all of that together and it means that the Bronx has been hit, like the, the rates in the Bronx are higher than anywhere else in the city of New York. Um, and even though we're in a better place now, we have been uh, we have been hit exceedingly hard. So it has been, and, and by the way, let's not discount the fact that there's a lot of people, I have, uh, as far as rent stabilized units, so places where people like people before the crisis, there was already a housing, a housing crisis. So people have been hungry. They've been scared that they're going to get kicked out of their apartments. And with so many scumbag landlords, that's around the corner. So all of these things together have made for an incredibly challenging time here in the Bronx. Can, can I ask when, when thinking about single payer healthcare, like it's changed a little bit in the last few years, but for a long time, it felt like there was a disconnect and like the single payer the most vocal singer payer advocates, it had a very white vibe. It was like a lot of like older white people being like, have you heard about Finland or whatever? Like, uh, how do you connect the fight for healthcare to uh, racial justice? Well, by talking about the realities of the people that I represent every day. I mean, so, so I'm the chair of the health committee, as I said, that is the first, I'm the first person of color, even though I'm pale, the first person of color that is ever, or ever, or Bronxite that has ever been the chair of the health committee in the Senate. In, its, in the history of this, in the history of the state, uh, and and before I was the ranking member for six years, and I talked about lack of access to healthcare and health inequalities. They were already baked in, right? So when you're talking about when I was asked to the the former sponsor of this bill like four years ago moved on to another position, and so I was asked to take this bill on. I said absolutely because the changes will actually impact not so, certainly not all every New Yorker, but also more specifically those who have been at the bottom end of receiving access to quality care. So the connection that I make is just talking about the reality that 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 is every day. The first hearing that we did last year, we did it here in the Bronx. And I was and, and I and I insisted that that be the case. And it was in a um, a hospital that is in the middle of my district geographically and is one of the highest needs hospitals and serves a very high need population because I wanted to make sure that those stories came out. So when we're talking about single payer, it sometimes that word, that phrase can be like, you know, universal access to healthcare. It is a human right. If you're a human, you go get sick. And it should not be, it should not depend on how whether you're wealthy or not, if you have yeah. access to it. So nor and, and, nor if you have if you're a citizen or not. Believe correct. your plan also covers undocumented immigrants. Because um, they're human too. Indeed. And so what, what's the state of it? Like, and, and what are the prospects in the next year you're facing? You've, I, I want to talk about the budget in a second, but there's budget cuts and the need for it. Like, do you think, 
I mean, I've been saying over and over again, if we come out of the pandemic with anything, I hope it's Medicare for all. If it's a state level, brilliant. If it's a national level, obviously even better. But like, I am also worried that that's the first thing that's going to be like, well, no, no, we don't have the money anymore because of the economic crisis. There is going to be a recession, a depression. So what is that looking like right now in terms of now there's a majority of Democrats in uh, the state assembly? The, the, so, so let's talk a little bit about the politics of New York. The, the fact is that even though we are, and I'm sure that we're going to talk about our magnificent governor in a second. I'm Indeed. not sure if you noticed the, well, we'll get to that in a second. But even though you have a Democratic majority in the Senate and the Assembly, the reality is that as far as a progressive majority, it hasn't really been there. Right. There has been we slowly but surely are moving the wheels. But there was a long period of time where even though, as I said, most of most of the people that are that are uh, voters in the state of New York are Democrats, the Republicans controlled the Senate. And but it was an agreed upon thing. The assembly was like, we'll control the assembly. Y'all control the 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 Senate and we'll kind of cut deals and then we'll fight with the governor every now and then. And then this particular governor called himself the greatest Democrat ever. But he's not. And he certainly liked that, that that balance of having the Republicans here. It's like, I can't get it done because of the Republican Senate. So that takes some time to change. When yeah. I, I'm, I'm a political science professor as well. I started teaching way back in 1999. And I used to tell my students, like, when you think about this, think about institutional inertia, right? Mm. So an institution defined as a set of rule-governed behavior that endures and inertia, a body at rest or in motion, continues in that state unless an outside force acts upon it. So what you have is an institution that just keeps rolling and rolling along, just you know, getting by, doing the things that need to be done, and it requires enormous amount of pressure and push. And for the most part, a lot of it has been coming from the outside, but as I said, that bubble exists, and it has existed slowly but surely in the last 10 years, we have been squeezing ourselves inside and I think right now we still don't have enough in the bubble, but come when January next year comes, we're going to have a lot many folks, a lot more folks that have been outside the bubble screaming and pushing. And so this is all to tell you kind of the political context of where we are. It is incredibly difficult to move this because mm -hmm. a lot of people think it is politically and technically difficult uh, and technically difficult, which is correct. That is not incorrect but it is possible and politically difficult because it takes too many people going like, I have this right now. I know it's a messed up system, but it's what I got. Do you want me to give this up? It's to this thing that has not been proven. I mean, it has obviously in other countries and, and it has existed in some shape or form for the last half century, but that's, it is an argument that has to break through to the to the normal conversations and we've been we've been making some progress though and the progress and the the pressure from outside is working but it is incredibly politically difficult to get done yeah can, can, can i can i ask a, a wonky question about medicare for all oh walk away bro okay so <laughs> so senator you may not know this about me i once upon a time i was a i was a lobbyist for the nurses union in oh, california I, do know this. I, I hear i listen to the show mr green oh okay good so uh, damn did you did your homework wow Indeed. um so um in california there's been there was a there's been a debate about like are we moving a state-based uh medicare for all sort of model in order to like build political momentum for ultimately the ultimate goal which is national or are we trying to move something that we're capable of implementing at the state level and specifically because so much of implementing 
a healthcare system would require drawing on federal Medicaid dollars? Like, what's the what's how how do you think about the strategy in terms of targeting the state system versus needing needing a Democrat in the White House in order to be able to give you the authority to draw on those Medicaid that Medicaid money? Mr. Green, you're talking about waivers, aren't you? Little bit, little bit. You think, you think I don't know what you're talking about? So, so it is the short version. I'm trying to short- translate it for our listeners who aren't aren't dick deep in waiver thought talk. <laughs> so Please don't ever say dick deep again, NATO. Go on. Or, or if you use that, not in, not in waiver talk. I'm sorry, Francesca. Dick deep in waiver talk is a technical term. It's a term of art. It's common in the healthcare field. Yeah, girl, I want to get dick deep in waiver. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so. Uh, not to go dick deep in waiver talk, I will say that it is the the, more, the most basic thing to say is that the way that we would pay for this system here, it would be to take Medicaid and Medicare dollars plus the taxes that are progressive. That it's a progressive payroll tax in the system that we're talking about, and put it all into one pot, and then pay for everything from that pot. And that and putting Medicare and Medicaid, particularly Medicaid dollars, into that pot takes a waiver, in other words, permission from the federal government to do. So the short answer is that although waivers would make it a lot easier for us to be able to do it, we're convinced that we could actually get it done without waivers because there's ways that we can actually put it as a wraparound service uh, to Medicaid that we already get approval. I mean, the to not go again deep, deep in waiver talk, if as long as we are able to... I think just, that that's going to be the title of the episode. Yeah, <laughs> Obviously, no one's gonna know what it means though. It'll be like I get the. You're first be like, words, I, I want to know more about that. What's like, happening? We were talk. So basically, putting using Medicaid money that's already been allocated. But you see, you, using Medicaid money, but using it for other things. See, the, the way that it works is the federal government. If you want to use it differently, and in, in every state has different programs that they do. And the state of New York, by the way, is kind of ahead of the curve on this. We have more waivers than a lot of other states, probably most of them. It's just because we say, can we use it you, for this? You've got more dicks than other states. That's how that works. <laughs> we did hey, we're, are we going to talk about our governor yet? Like, I don't know if that's... Speaking of dicks. Speaking of dicks, yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to listen, Nato Green. God. Sorry. So the, so anyway, the, the, the bottom line is that we believe, and when I say we, we I, was, I, I, I mean my colleague in the assembly who sponsors this and all the advocates and all the people that are working for this, we can do this without waivers. It'll, we'll save a little bit less money because it will require a little bit more administrative costs, which is one of the things that we know that, we know that we're going to be saving some money on, but we can do it. And mm-hmm. if we had a Democrat in the White House, it would be a lot easier. But the goal here certainly is to get this at the national level. I'll tell you, if we pass national health reform and we get Medicare for all, I'll be the first one to print the however many, I don't know, I think it's like 70 pages the bill is. It's a really complicated piece of legislation of mine. I'll take it and I'll just make it through the street, throwing it around and lighting it on fire, celebrating. But until then, if we're supposed to be the most progressive state in the nation, as our governor keeps insisting, let's friggin' prove it. Let's lead. And that's what I'm trying to get done. Speaking of dicks, and this is the last I'll say, uh, you're, the co-sponsor of this bill is a dick. His name it's is Dick Godfrey. Yeah, and- yeah, Dick Godfrey. and he's wonderful and i also interviewed him for a red white and who it was so good so uh big ups to dick godfried um and uh i wanted to ask let's let's pivot to to governor cuomo you in this pandemic um you passed a budget you passed a new york state budget um i voted against it but yes there was a passage of a new york state budget right and so i wanted to get your thoughts (laughs) on why why you did vote against it and 
what kind of machinations were going on with Cuomo, with Medicaid, and, and, and what it says about him and what kind of Democrat he is. So I've served in the Senate for as long as he's been in the governor's mansion. Um, so that's 10 years. So I can tell you, uh, America, you don't want him as your boyfriend. <laughs> you deserve so much better, so much better. So he's, he's a guy who, has, who, is, who is brilliant. He knows how to make things effective. Uh, he knows how to do things effectively. He knows how to actually, I hope that, I hope that we didn't lose her. She's all of a sudden, she's not on my screen, but. but so, I'll, t I'll tell her what you said. Don't worry about gotcha, it. Gotcha, perfect. So we know that she, he, is, he is incredibly effective. He knows how to govern, like he knows governance, he understands governance. But unfortunately, he does not have a core. He's somebody who is an ideological person, who doesn't have ideology really. He's somebody who has, who knows how to get things done politically, but doesn't necessarily have the core that some other folks would have. And so what he what he was, was able to do during this, there's pandemics, like at the beginning of the year, there was a whole conversation about the redesign of Medicare, the Medicaid, uh, which, oh, she's back. There she is. So, yes, uh-huh, the redesign of Medicare. Yeah, so at the beginning of the, of the year, he was already saying, this is before the pandemic, that he wanted to redesign Medicaid. And he put together this thing called the Medicaid Redesign Team, which was a fancy term for a dog and pony show mm. that spent two months saying, oh, we're going to think about this, we're going to think about this. And in the end, they produced a series of recommendations that would cut Medicaid. And then when the pandemic came and many of us were saying like, bro, you're saying you want to cut the system that provides health care for the most needy, who we all agree are going to be the worst impacted. And he chose to do that. This is what yeah. people across the nation need to understand about him. No matter how many times he's on your TV, I call him hashtag crisis daddy. Like he is like, he is there. <laughs> Jesus. He is there. Crisis daddy. Good God. Right. But, but very typical daddy. Like I'm just going to, I mean, except for NATO is the perfect father. Hashtag perfect dad. Uh, so, hashtag dad, uh, twin dad. But like, yeah, he's like, I'm going to come in when no one else is here. And he, and he was going to love me. In comparison to the festering pile of orange feces in the White House, there is no question that he did better. Talk there about a no low bar, though, right? Not, not being indicted, low bar. No, not being Donald Trump. Even a lower bar. Even a lower bar. But but this is but but just so that if you understand two things about the budget process, number one, he chose to cut Medicaid during a pandemic, and number two, and this one kills me even more, because it would help the first one. He does. He refuses to raise tax to raise taxes on millionaires and billionaires. Right. Uh, and we have more millionaires and billionaires than any other state in the country. And guess what? They're getting wealthier by the moment. And he chose, he still chooses to not tax millionaires and billionaires. Right. He insists, you know, we can't tax our way out of this. But guess what? The hit would be less. But he insists that he doesn't want to do it. So this is the guy that we're talking about. He chose to cut Medicaid during a pandemic. And he insists that he's not going to tax millionaires and billionaires while he continues to ask the people I represent poor and working class people of color. No, you you keep keep going to work. Keep getting right. in the train. Keep right. doing what you're doing, but we're not going to raise taxes on millionaires. No, we're not doing that. Right. You can't the money isn't there then. Then the money's not there. Exactly. And I know that we're going to that, that we're in a big economic hole, we're in an economic downturn, but for the love of God, if we know that it's going to impact poor and working class people worse, 
then let's actually do what we can to make sure that we have some money to be able to hold up the programs that are going to hold these people up. Yeah. Again, people are hungry in my district every single day. They're they're fearful for whether they're going to have a place to live. That was that was true before the pandemic. But it's, it drives me freaking bonkers every day. I wanted to ask one one last question, just sort of related to budgets. There was that big city council. I have eleven um, more questions, by the way. I know. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> just write them out on an essay, Mr. Green. We'll get I'll get right back to you. Slide Thank into you. Gustavo's DMs, everybody. Um, ask him your questions. We'll have him back. Um, please use the phrase dig deep in waivers. Waiver, totally waiver fine. Talk, waiver talk. Waiver yeah. talk. Right, right. Um, but what in terms of this discussion around defunding the police and yeah. what happened in city council and the fact that there was a vote to I believe take $1 billion out of the NYPD, which is, you know, nothing in comparison to what many progressives, many people were asking for that would actually make a real dent. Um, A lot of liberals voted for it because they, they, they said that um, they couldn't not, it was sort of a win. Like it makes them look good. They're quote unquote defunding the police in this time of mass protests um, for black lives. Um, What were what are your thoughts on how that vote went down? I think, I mean, what's weird about seeing something like this is that you, I've been, you know, these are people who I have known for sometimes for a decade, right? So it's like people who I deal with, it's, and I understand how difficult these votes can be, but I believe that when the time came, they did not step up to the challenge, not most of them. Mm. And it's unfortunate, it's disappointing because what they managed to get done was just, and, and, and the thing is, part of me understands because the, the cult of the police is no better personified than the NYPD, right? It's literally the largest police force in the world, you know? And this is, 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 they're kind of like this, the sense that the only way to achieve public safety is by police, by adding more police, right? So the, so the notion that all of us are saying, because when we're saying to fund the NYPD and I've had conversations with some conservative members of my, of my constituency, I don't have a lot of them, but I've been telling them like, listen to what we're saying. Mm-hmm. We're saying that we're asking police officers to be social workers, to manage homelessness, to manage mental health, things that they're not trained for. We Addiction. We can't address our way out of these things. So the vote, unfortunately, was it was disappointing and it was it was just not not what they should have done. Yeah. Are you telling me that you can't shoot the drugs out of someone's body? <laughs> if you if, if, if they're on the leg, if they're on the pocket, yeah. like yeah. Biden said, you got to shoot them in the leg. There you go. Yeah. You shoot the leg, you get rid of the drugs. That's it. You shoot the drugs out. <laughs> yeah. Was that the end of the corn pop analogy? Yeah. I, or anecdote? I really, uh, I didn't, I didn't watch that much of it. I think yeah. it was something to do with leg hair and a pool. Anyway, like, let, yeah. let just, us know. Just, I just, I just heard recently that that not only is the NYPD one of the biggest police forces in the world, but that that the the number of New York City police officers ju- just assigned to the school district is one of the biggest police forces in the United States. Like yeah. just just the New York cops who work Damn. in schools is it by itself one of the biggest police forces in the United States. Crazy. School safety officers, there was a whole conversation about taking school safety officers and moving them um, out of schools. Excuse me, for the same for the for a very basic reason. You're you're not training, you're either educating kids or training them how to go to, to jail. Like that's and there's a there's a criminalization that exists when you have police officers that are there as school safety officers, but still part of the NYPD. They said that there was going to be a switch, and that was one of the one of the uh, one of the wink and nods, you know, nudge nudge say no more things 
that happened during this budget where there was supposedly a switch of money, but what they That's did is right. just they just took them and put them on under another under another banner. It was like there's so much. Like, yeah, they just reshuffled. Yeah, reshuffled it with that to didn't get actually to, change anything. Right. Um, Gustavo, we could talk for so long about all these things. I see some questions about uh, environment in New York, and and I I so hope that you come back on. Um, you just have to invite me, my friend. Yeah, as, as long as we get as we get that that essay from Mr. Green with all the different questions that he will ask, yes. and I will make sure to answer him. Please no write a medium post, NATO. And I want to keep you on for our last segment because we have to maximum. do. <laughs> <laughs> Extra large. Um, it has to do with, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Hashtag crisis daddy. Crisis new daddy. Segment, new segment of the week. This is our new segment, oh. which is for the first time an old segment, which is also impossible. But it is an old segment. We're going to bring it back just for you, Gustavo, because uh, we're not going to follow the rules this time. It is. Sext elect overthrow is one of our very first segments ever. It's who would you sext as in Anthony Weiner? Who would you elect as okay, in Carlo, Carlos Danger? Carlos Danger, your your public servant. Yeah. And who would you overthrow? No more topple coup. Um, sext. So it's 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 sext elect sext, and overthrow. Elect overthrow like fuck Mary kill. If you've ever played I, that, I have I have heard of this game. Yes, heard of that game. Yes. Well, and so we thought we'd do governor's edition. So our three governors are Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York, uh -huh. Governor Newsom of California, where we are, who talks like this, uh -huh. and and Governor DeSantis of Florida. Wow. Wow. Smiley spray wow. tan MAGA DeSantis. This feels a lot easier than I think it. No, it's not. Yeah. No. No, it's not easy. <laughs> It's not easy. I mean, could you give me another option? Like push one of them down a flight of stairs or something? <laughs> I would say, uh, uh, damn. I'm going to, uh, okay. You don't have to go first. Okay. No, I, well, but I like that he's ready. He's chomping at the yeah. bit. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll take into consideration what y'all are saying and then add my two cents. How about that? No, no, no. I'm, I'm going last for sure. <laughs> okay. I'll Mr. go first. So, so I would say definitely overthrow. I mean, overthrow Governor DeSantis. He's he's certainly like the most destructive, trying to disenfranchise the uh, the the for formerly incarcerated people who were supposed to have the right to vote. Com Agreed. Catastrophic failure to respond to the pandemic. Got to go. Overthrow. Uh, you know, people would say sext Newsom because he's sort of like tr by conventional heteronormative standards the hottest even though he's based his entire personality and life on Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne. Um, I think uh, that's a matter of taste, if you yeah, say. Yeah, he's just like, you know, like if Newsom ever said, you know, it's not who I am on the inside, it's what I do that defines me, you would be like, oh yeah, that checks out. Um, <laughs> so uh, people were going to want to say that they sex Newsom, but he's like, he, you know, and I hate to say this because he Damaged was my mayor words. for many years, but and and I hated him when he was the mayor. But uh, in many ways, he's been a n not complete disappointment as governor, um, and listens to scientists, which I find refreshing. Um, so I'm going to say elect Newsom, and then and then I'm stuck with Sexton Cuomo. Uh, <laughs> who knows? You know, maybe uh, maybe he maybe he just you know he hasn't got gotten the right dick pic, and it, it would. Uh, <laughs> 
it would open his mind to new possibilities. Mm. Mm. He hasn't okay. gotten one fill, full of waivers. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Surrounded just, by just waivers. Like, just like a like a dick pic, but like like with with like all of uh of like new Jim Crow tattooed around the shaft of the dick. You know what I mean? <laughs> like so he could do some reading while he's perusing the dick pic. First of all, if anyone's listening, that's how you become a true ally. You have to get the new Jim Crow tatted on your D. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything um, less than that, not an ally. Gustavo? So I would say, and by the way, this is the moment when my communications director is losing her freaking mind. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you, I can feel her texting. I will say the following. It might surprise you, but just because he would probably look at the phone and throw it away immediately... I would sext Cuomo. Like, I would be like, you up? Uh-huh. So just see what he says. Do you have his number? Gustavo, do you have Cuomo's number? I, I could neither confirm nor deny that I possess uh-huh. the number for the governor. Oh, of the yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, so, and, and I would actually agree that the Santos needs to be, that I would say, listen, as many issues as I have with Cuomo, you are correct. DeSantis is a disaster. Like Cuomo is, he knows how to govern. I mean, I wish that he did it with, like with ideology and, and values in the center of it, as mm-hmm. opposed to to being such a such an effective political operative. So, but there are some things that he has done which actually move the ball forward. That we passed marriage equality here. We actually managed to get a lot of stuff done with housing last year. So there are. So I would say I would sext him to blow his mind and confuse him to get <laughs> get rid of get rid of DeSantis and and uh, and elect Newsom. Oh, we're electing Newsom. God, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna go with definitely sexting DeSantis. Mm. Oh, it's a choice, Francesca. Not of me or of any like no, nowhere near me. But I'll find some sort of stock, stock image, stock dick, you know, stock D. And um, I think he would be very easy to entrap in some sort of scandal. Uh, and then he would be unelectable for the future. I mean, whatever. There'd be some way we could Anthony Weiner it, um, <laughs> Carlos Danger the second, like. Do you, I think you mean. I think you mean his, name is, his name is going to be Luis Peligro. That's what I, I think. Carlos Danger El Segundo. Carlos Danger El Segundo, Luis Peligro, but I'm going to entrap. Um, Desanti, so he the sort of long con overthrow. Um, uh-huh. I so that means okay. Between who would we elect and who would we overthrow between Cuomo and Newsom? Yeah, see, uh, uh, um, one of my mentors, Max Elbaum, who's been on this show before, told me something about Cuomo, where he was like, "Look, Biden isn't Cuomo. See, because Biden is kind of this like mushy brained on his way out, like liberal who, but he's a moderate, but he wants to be, you know, likable and he wants to do Cuomo. He doesn't have a mushy brain. Cuomo is not someone who's easy to push or pull. He's like, no, this is the way it is. I'm the Democrat, but like that. And, and so I think he's more of a danger to Democrats and like getting in our way because of that. Uh, so I'm going to say, yeah, overthrow Cuomo and elect fucking Batman. Give Bruce Wayne a chance. Um, <laughs> God damn it. He's there with his fucking fleece vests and his greasy hair and he's damaged goods. Cause I'm, you can't sex Newsom cause he was with Kimberly Guilfoyle. And that's just like, you, you'll get an STI just from sexting. 
I really Senator need to pay more attention to, to this to this Newsom guy because I I haven't really paid that much attention. I feel that this is like visceral with you folks. I gotta have, get you, you gotta watch what it is. Have you seen the picture of press him? conferences? I've, the, I've the, definitely, yes, I've seen a picture. I've definitely seen a picture of him. No, no, not not a picture. The picture. <laughs> oh, Californians know that when we talk about Newsom, when we say the picture, that when he was mayor. Uh-huh. And he was still married to Kimberly Guilfoyle, who's currently in a relationship with Donald uh-huh. Trump Jr. Yes, uh, there is a there was a photo spread Positive Harper's, for COVID. Ba- Harper's <laughs> Bazaar of the two of them, and the headline was the new Kennedys. And there was a it was like this this like like opulent spread, yeah. like on a where they're like lying together in a sexual way on a rug. Um <laughs> Let's, so, let's go back to kissing Biden talk. Yeah. I would rather that. Yeah. So like like <laughs> if you if you saw that picture, like you know, like thinking about the people that you represent and the kind of struggles that people in the Bronx have, if you saw that picture, you'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, we definitely need to murder more rich people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to look for this thing. I was like, I I've I am not. I am not familiar. I'm going to have to look this guy. I will. T- I will tweet it to you. Nato will DM you please, with it. Please, yeah. please do that. <laughs> Gustavo, thank you so much for joining us. Um, let. What can we do to support your work? How can we follow it? Uh, what well, do we sign? I am at ny at at ny Senator Rivera on Twitter on on the gram, as I am sure that the kids do not call it. Uh, <laughs> I am at uh, Honorable Gustavo Rivera on Facebook, and uh, it is and, and I'm. You know, I'm I'm doing work regarding public health in the state of New York. I'm doing criminal justice work here too, just trying to just get involved in some of the stuff that's happening in your neck of the woods. That's the one thing I'll leave everybody with: your local elections matter immensely. Mm-hmm. Yes, care about what's happening at the national level, but like 95% of the things that that impact you on a day-to-day basis are decided locally and your city at the state legislative level, at your local level. So get involved in that. So that's that's what I would say there. And then just follow me and see you and, and see whether I, whether I again talk about, if I can say dig deep in, what is it? Waiver uh, talk. Waiver talk. Waiver talk. Maybe I can get that onto the, onto the record. <laughs> if you could get Cuomo to say that out loud, I would appreciate it. I would quit um, my job the next day. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm a thief. <laughs> that's how you go out. Uh, Senator Rivera, thank you so much. Be well. You too. Stay safe. safe. Take care. Thanks a lot. Nato Green, what a great episode. That was so fun. So, so good. Y'all, thank you so much for all of your comments, all of the tips you've been sending, TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR uh, Live on Cash App, especially the people on Twitch, having their own goddamn conversation. I see you. You guys are just chilling, talking to each other. How rude. Um, <laughs> Nato, uh, so good to see you, buddy. Good to Listen see to you. the Whiteness album, everybody. And uh, uh, Nato Green on Twitter, Mr. Nato Green on Instagram. Thanks a lot, everybody. Good night. Good night. And I want to say thank you so much to our producer, Becca Roofer, behind the controls there, uh, except for when I accidentally messed up. And if you were watching live, I took myself out of the stream, and that was dumb. Uh, but thank you again for being here. Um, remember, don't just bitch about it. Be about it and vote because John Lewis took a bat to the skull for our right to vote. And remember, Bernie is the truth, but we got to vote Biden uh, because they say, that's amazing. How did you do that? I do it because I have like a good memory because I'm 
cognitively there. No, you're not. Bye.